Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast episode. This uh, episode is a follow-on from last week's episode. So last week I took you through a client story to demonstrate what it is that people feel when they have anxiety. So this episode, I wanted to focus particularly on what it is that anxiety feels like. The reason for this is, what does anxiety feel like, is a question that I get asked a lot by people who are trying to work out if they have anxiety, if what they're feeling is normal for a person with anxiety. Um, Basically looking for some sort of reassurance that the things that they're feeling are because of anxiety. Now, it's really important that as we go through this podcast, I'll be, I'll be talking about lots of different symptoms. And it is really important that you understand that if you're concerned about anything, you make sure you go see your GP. Now, if you haven't listened to it already, I did an episode a little while ago on the role of adrenaline in the body. And, and this also covers many of the symptoms that we're going to be talking about and the reason why they happen. So it's a really good idea if you're curious about what it is that anxiety feels like. If you're curious to know why it is that we feel the things that we do when we're anxious, then make sure you head back to that episode too, although I'll refer to some of it in this episode anyway. Now, what I've done for this episode is I've taken the full list of symptoms from the NHS website. So for those of you who aren't based in the UK, um, our National Health Service is a free service that we're very privileged to be able to use. And they have resources online which covers all of the symptoms that I usually see in clinic. So this list of symptoms have come from the NHS and they're really common symptoms of anxiety. So one of the most common ones is to feel quite tired, feel on edge, feel quite restless or be quite irritable. This is a very common issue with anxiety. This can be for a number of reasons. It can be because of other symptoms, um, making us feel a bit fed up and a bit irritated. But it can also just be because of the anxiety itself, which is stopping us from doing the things that we want to do. It's easy to feel energised and much more understanding of other people when we feel happy ourselves. So when we're struggling, when mental health is an issue, it's very common to feel tired, to be on edge, to be restless and to be irritable as well. Now, some people also feel a sense of dread. This can be ahead of certain situations, such as uh, giving a speech or having to do something that you're not really that keen on doing, or it can be all the time. I have heard of it being all the time. Um, And if somebody's got something called generalised anxiety disorder, which is where they feel anxiety pretty much all of the time for an extended period of time, this feeling of dread can be there constantly. So it can be either, it can be sometimes, or it can be all of the time. Somebody who's struggling with anxiety will often find it difficult to concentrate and also difficult to make decisions. So if you know somebody who is really bad at making decisions or struggles to concentrate for more than a few minutes, then consider whether or not anxiety might be an issue. Um, And particularly if this is you that struggles with these things, definitely have a look into contact your GP, see if anxiety is something that's worth considering, um, considering doing something about as well. 
Now, making decisions can be tricky when we have anxiety. Depends on the kind of anxiety, but it can be really difficult because we often feel anxious about making the right decision. So if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, um, I've talked about perfectionism before as a cognitive distortion. And one of the things that can absolutely paralyse people who are struggling to make decisions is this idea that they have to make the right decision. So instead of being happy just making a decision and changing it later, or making a decision and if it's wrong then they'll do that about it, they feel this absolute pressure to get the decision completely right first time. And what that ends up doing ultimately is that they put off making the decision and procrastinate for as long as possible. So if you know somebody like that, try and be patient. It's very, very difficult. It's very difficult for the people around. I do understand that. Um, But making decisions and being unable to make decisions is quite a common issue when it comes to your anxiety. And it's the same with being um, unable to concentrate. So I don't often work with children, but occasionally I do work with children when it comes to things like exam stress. And one of the things that we find is that they're so preoccupied by their anxiety is that they're not able to concentrate on what they're supposed to be doing, which is, of course, answering questions and recalling information. So being unable to concentrate or make decisions are very common symptoms of anxiety. Another very common symptom is having trouble sleeping. Now, this is actually very common. So a lot of my clients... It's very rare for me to see somebody that just has anxiety and everything else is absolutely okay. Normally, people have anxiety. They may also have depression, insomnia, uh, stress, which is very similar to anxiety anyway. So having trouble sleeping is a really common symptom of anxiety. And it's usually because of the way the fight or flight response works. So have a look back at the episodes on adrenaline, which will explain that fully to you. But also the things that they think. Um, And I have an example later on in the podcast, which will demonstrate exactly why having trouble sleeping um, can be caused by anxiety. Now, people also have a lot of physical symptoms, so they might feel sick. We, um, the way our bodies work is our guts are innervated by something called the enteric nervous system. And this is linked to our brain. And it's linked to our brain in a a very prehistoric way when it comes to the fight or flight response. So to put this as politely as possible, which is a little bit tricky, but when we're faced with some sort of threat where we might have to fight or run away, one of the signals that gets released is for the bowels to empty themselves to make us lighter. So it's quite normal to feel really sick. It's quite normal for you to have stomach upsets when you're feeling anxious. And it's quite normal as well to feel things like dizziness. Uh, Again, this is the fight or flight response, which is kicking out adrenaline in this case, which is making our heart race, which can lead to changes in our blood pressure, which can be very, very um, unnerving for people. It can also make us sweaty because our body is preparing for a lot of activity and short of breath as well, because we're taking in extra oxygen because our body thinks that it needs to do something. And all of these things together can lead us to feel quite shaky uh, or trembly, the same kind of thing. So linked into this, we get things like headaches um, and stomach aches as well. So put simply, all of those things can cause us problems. Now, a lot of people have heard of um, butterflies in the stomach. 
Um, that's the same sort of thing, basically. It's the enteric nervous system being given signals which are either causing it to remove food from the stomach or remove food from the bowels, making us feel sick or upsetting our stomach. Now, a really common symptom of anxiety, uh, which is also an outcome of anxiety, is that people avoid situations or put off doing things that you're worried about. So if you're considering whether or not you have anxiety, then think about whether or not it stops you doing certain things. Now, from a therapist's point of view, this is the point at which I think it's really important to get help with your anxiety, because it's so important to do the things even if you're a little bit worried about them. And if you find that you're avoiding situations or putting off doing things, then it really is time to start thinking about getting some help. Because the problem with avoiding situations is it becomes a bit of a negative spiral because the more you avoid things, the more anxious you get about doing them in the future. Um, And it just goes on and on and on and it gets more and more deep. So if you've started noticing that you're doing that or if someone you know is uh, avoiding things, then maybe have a quiet chat, a very kind, quiet chat and see if it's worth seeing a GP about that. The most common action that people take because of anxiety is avoidance. And we avoid all kinds of things. We avoid um, going to the dentist. We avoid uh, flying if you're scared of flying. We avoid giving speeches where we can. I mean, to be fair, I avoid going to Tesco's on a Saturday um, because I don't like crowded spaces. And generally speaking, I can do that. But we do avoid all sorts of different things when we have anxiety. So consider whether or not avoiding the thing that you're avoiding is causing you particular harm in your life. So for example, my example of Tesco's, I prefer not to go when it's busy. It doesn't really affect my life very much. If I have to go on a Saturday, then it's not the end of the world. If I can find time during the week, um, or if I can be organised enough to order online, then it's all done. It doesn't really affect my life. But if you're avoiding things like the dentist, then that can become a health hazard in the future. So consider whether or not avoidance is causing you problems or not. Now, we've touched on sleep already, as in having trouble sleeping, but specifically when you have anxiety, people can find that they have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. So it might be that you stay awake for ages, usually worrying about stuff, we call it ruminating. Or it might be that you struggle to actually stay asleep. And this can often be quite common with generalised anxiety disorder, because the anxiety levels are constant, so your body doesn't fully go into its proper sleep patterns. It kind of stays in the, in the higher areas of sleep, meaning that you find it more difficult to stay asleep, so you wake up more easily. Some people notice that you have a really strong, fast or irregular heartbeat. Now again, this always needs to be checked out by a medical professional, but what tends to happen with my clients is that they experience this They go to a medical professional, obviously, they get it checked out and there's nothing physically wrong. So in that situation, we know that it's most likely anxiety that's causing that particular issue. It's very common to get pins and needles as well um, with anxiety. And there's a few different reasons for that. I'm very lucky to work with a chiropractor who is able to talk to me about posture and the way that that can affect different things like arm pins and needles um, and leg pins and needles. 
So partly can be down to posture, which interestingly can be quite bad with people with anxiety because they often try and kind of shut themselves away and hunch over themselves, which can be less than healthy. So pins and needles can be because of uh, a physical manifestation. It can also be because of the fight and flight response. So because we've got so much adrenaline going around our body, we've got things like vasodilation, which is where our blood vessels widen to allow more blood to go through them. And they can start to press on and cause problems in other areas. So pins and needles is a, a very common one. Having a dry mouth is particularly common. Um, again, this is all part of the adrenaline response. Sweating excessively is part of the adrenaline response as well. But also um, other types of behaviour. So one of the ones that we see most often is repeatedly checking things or seeking assurance from other people. So if you know somebody or if you're somebody that feels like you have to check several times to make sure that you're doing the right thing, um, particularly if somebody is struggling with anxiety in the workplace, this can often be quite a common sign that something isn't quite right because they need to check over and over again that they understand what they're meant to do, that they've done the right thing. And this seeking reassurance from other people is the same kind of thing. So it's quite common with people with social anxiety to spend a lot of time after they've been in public with people asking if they did the right thing, if something they said came across in the right way. Just not having that confidence to know that what they've done is okay. That anxiety feeding into their mind, making them question the thing that they did and doing what is quite a logical thing to do, which is check with somebody else as to whether or not that is actually an issue. So those are a few ideas of what somebody with anxiety will be likely to be feeling. So as I've said numerous times now, um, if you think that you have anxiety and you're listening to this to try and find out or self-diagnose if you had, then please do go see your GP. They'll be able to have a chat with you about the options. They'll be able to rule out anything more serious. Um, it's just a really good idea. So to cover briefly, like why do we get these things? What actually causes the anxiety to happen? Now, put really simply, anxiety is a fear of something. Basically, you get anxiety because you're scared of something. Now, the thing you're scared of can be anything. It can be public speaking, or it be can become quite a generalised just fear of everyday things or things going wrong in life. Now, when we're looking at things um, from a cognitive behavioural point of view, then we consider that anxiety is caused by the thoughts about the situation that causes you to have that fear. And it's the thoughts that kickstart that fight or flight response in your body. And if you go back and listen to my episode on adrenaline, you'll know that the fight or flight response is what causes a lot of the symptoms and the feelings that we've just talked about. So I wanted to give you a bit of an example, which will demonstrate why sleeping is an issue, uh, demonstrate why a lot of these other things actually become an issue because of the way that you're thinking. So as an example, if you wake up in the middle of the night, think about if you have a presentation the next morning. Here are a few different things that somebody with anxiety might start thinking. So they've woken up in the middle of the night, they've got a uh, presentation in first thing in the morning. One of the things they might be thinking is, oh no, I've got that presentation tomorrow. I need to get back to sleep, otherwise it's gonna be even more of a disaster than it was gonna be already. What if I forget what I need to say? 
What if I make a mistake? What if I look stupid in front of everyone? What if I don't get back to sleep and I look tired and haggard tomorrow? I'll never get back to sleep now. Now, of course, this person is going to have difficulty getting back to sleep, but those kind of things running through their mind. And they'll probably start to notice that they start to feel some of the symptoms we were talking about. So starting to feel the increased heart rate every time they think about that presentation in the morning. Every time they think things like, what if I forget what I need to say? What if I make a mistake? All, the, all those thoughts leading to things like the heart rate and the sweatiness going up. So that person who's woken up in the middle of the night is going to struggle really, really strongly to get back to sleep because the body's not in a restful place there. It's in a fight or flight place. So what would be a good alternative? Now, in an ideal world, this same person who has woken up in the middle of the night um, but has a presentation in the morning would think a lot more neutral things. So things like, oh, I've woken up. Oh good, there's a couple of hours before I need to get up for my presentation. I'm just going to get as cosy as I can until I drop off again and my alarm goes off. I really enjoyed watching that film earlier. The story was really interesting and I really loved how the actor looked. I thought they did a really good job of the scene and the setting. And, and you can imagine that person gently drifting off into the background there. So this person is much more likely to head back to sleep because they aren't thinking about the presentation in a way that causes them fear. This second person may well still be nervous about the presentation. It's quite normal to be a bit nervous, but they're able to control the thoughts, not stress themselves out, not think negative things, not panic about the fact that they've woken up. And so they're able to much more easily relax and drop back off again, because it is actually quite normal to wake up during the night. So the key thing really is that was just an example of how the different thoughts can affect how we feel and can affect the symptoms of anxiety. So the key thing is what can we do about anxiety? Now the two types of therapy that I use are hypnotherapy and cognitive behavioural therapy. These two therapies work really really well together. The cognitive behavioural therapy teaches you how you can change those fear-inducing thoughts into more helpful ones. And the hypnotherapy teaches you how to calm your mind and how to focus on what you want to focus on. Because you may have noticed in the second um, scenario that I put out, that person wasn't even thinking about the presentation. So if you're a bit nervous about it, then thinking about it's not going to help in that situation at all. So instead, they turned their attention to something that actually was quite a pleasant experience for them, the film that they were interested in. And it can be that simple or a book that you've read or something funny that happened during the day. If you can turn your attention back to that thing instead of worrying about the future, then you're going to be able to calm yourself down a lot more easily. And the cool thing about hypnotherapy is we can teach you techniques to actually calm yourself down. So what can you do about this? Well, the first thing and the most important thing to be aware of is how your thoughts are contributing towards your anxiety. Now, luckily for you guys, I have a free worksheet that you can use to find out what types of negative thoughts are making your anxiety worse. So all you need to do is head to my website, which is www.anxiety2confidence.com. That's the number two. And you'll just need to enter your email address and your name and you'll get a free worksheet, which you can download. You can print out if you want to. 
You'll also get emailed a video which has been taken from one of the workshops that I do quite regularly, explaining more about negative thoughts, explaining what they are, what the different types are, giving you some examples so that you fully understand um, what they are. And it'll tell you how to do the exercise on the handout as well. So just for your references, the symptoms that I went through today, they came from the NHS website, uh, which is also a really good place to go check if you would like to check out any of your symptoms. And if you have any questions about anxiety, please do feel free to get in touch. If you head to my website, you can find all the information you need to get in touch with me. If you have any particular questions that you'd like me to answer on the podcast, then please do get in touch. It's always fascinating to get questions. That's how I ended up coming up with the, uh, the subject matter for this episode. Because it might seem like a stupid question, what does anxiety feel like? Um, but actually, it's a really good question. It's a really good topic to discuss, put out there, so that hopefully when you guys listen to it, you can understand that it's quite normal to feel this way. So any questions or comments, please do feel free to get in touch with me and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.